Now, both sides are ultimately blinded to the rise of this new 21st century monster that is far more insidious and far more powerful than anything we have seen in the history of our country. Now, I would love to tell you that it doesn't get any worse than that, but it does. It does get worse. There's a new guest who's shown up on the scene and turned this unholy alliance into a threesome. That's the Communist Party of China. They understand this game more deeply than any of us. There is even a Chinese word for wokeness. Baitsu is the word. It literally refers to woke white people in the United States, and they use it to laugh at us. Let me play that one more time. That's the Communist Party of China. They understand this game more deeply than any of us. There is even a Chinese word for wokeness. Baitsu is the word. It literally refers to woke white people in the United States, and they use it to laugh at us. They use it to laugh at us. Us. And he thinks he's white. So for everyone at the beginning of the video, for many of the slow bus kids who didn't get it, Anybody who was thinking, well, Jason, you're man, come out of every door and you wrong, and I didn't know what you bought, you know what you bought, Jay, you wrong. Okay. Black and brown coalition. So for anyone who thought that maybe I was incorrect, maybe I was reaching, Jason, you're putting words in his mouth. Let me play the words from his mouth. Let me just play those words from his mouth. Now I can really stop tonight's video here, but let me tell you, I've got tons and not about this guy. I'm just starting it with him because I wanted to give you a very specific personalized example of what the strategy for white supremacy the next 500 years will be and what it looks like. Now, now that I've played for you all the juicy part of it for you to hear, I'm going to, keep, I'm going to start it over again because he was actually only getting started and they use it to laugh at us. And even worse, they're using They understand this game more deeply than anyone There is even a Chinese word for wokeness. Baitsu is the word. It literally refers to woke white people in the United States, and they use it to laugh at us. And even worse, they're using wokeism as a geopolitical tool to erode our standing on the global stage. And if you have any doubt about that, just look at what they're saying. Last year, when European Union leaders pressed Xi Jinping about China's human rights violations, including locking up over one million Uyghurs in concentration camps, who, by the way, Apple uses this slave labor to make their iPhones, but they don't tell you that. His first response was that Black Lives Matter shows the United States is no better. Last month, when China's top diplomat came right here to the Alaska summit, in his opening remarks, he falsely asserts that the United States is slaughtering, that is his word, slaughtering black Americans. And then he hopes the United States does better on human rights. That would be laughable if it didn't have such serious consequences. Folks, we're only 13% of the population. He named three things that constitute an issue of being the woke disease. He mentioned race. He mentioned gender, he mentioned sexual orientation. Those were the three things that he named. And yet, you notice that he just keeps coming back to hammer black people. 
specifically black should be about celebrating what binds us together as a people. The American dream. Inclurimus unum from many one. The other side might say this is just a load of high-minded drivel because we never lived up to our ideals as a country. And you know what? They have a point. Actually, no, they don't. It's true that America isn't perfect. We weren't perfect at our founding. We aren't perfect today. I will venture to say we never will be perfect as a country. But more than any nation in human history, America is as a people. The American dream, in pluribus unum, from many, one. The other side might say this is just a load of high-minded drivel because we never lived up to our ideals as a country. And you know what? The Constitution of the United States was literally written as a document specifically giving rights to white men and by proxy white women and denying even humanity or personhood to black people. So when he talks about the founders and America's founding principles, those founding principles are clearly written in the Constitution. And that got this ship off the ground. So he can't say that, oh, well, you know, we never lived up to the ideals. That's wrong. America did live up to its ideals. That's exactly the problem. The ideal was white supremacy. The ideal was oppression and dehumanization of black people. That was the ideal. And it worked. It was seen through and taken through to fruition. It didn't get stopped. It didn't get interrupted. It didn't get suspended. It went into full effect. So when he tries to sit up here and jump on the bandwagon, of, well, you know, we've never lived up to our ideals. Wrong. What we're fighting for today is the fact that those were and are the ideals of America. Let me say one more time. They were and are the ideals of America. Protecting and defending white supremacy, it was founded on white supremacy, it was based upon white supremacy, and to this very day, it keeps up the job and the obligation of defending white supremacy. And your very presence here, Mr. Ramaswamy, with your 
overt anti-black racist, racist attitude is the proof that it is very much alive and well. When I speak about white supremacy, and when we speak about white supremacy, the first thing you have to understand is that white supremacy is global. That's why we have been working so hard as foundationals to get everybody else on code. As the foundation, we've been trying to get everybody else on code to accept the reality that we've already pioneered for decades and centuries, that white supremacy is a global system. And as such, you should look no further than Britain. And oh, well, what do you know, Mr. Rishi Sunak? I'm starting to see a pattern here. I'm starting to see a pattern. Well, a member of the British Parliament asked Prime Minister Rishi Sunak about giving an apology for Britain's record on slavery. This is on the other side of the world. Supposedly the place that got rid of slavery first, as if you get a prize for that. We were the first to stop to outlaw brutalizing you on British soil, although we did keep our British colonies because hell, the money was being made over there. So, yeah. And also, you're going to hear something very familiar when you hear her give her a complaint about it. But this is on the other side of the world, and it'll be amazing how identical all of it sounds. This month marks 23 years since the passing of the late great Bernie Grant, a former member of this house and the founder of the UK reparations movement in the UK. In his last Prime Minister's questions before his death, he asked for an apology to the people of African descent, living and dead, for our country's role in slavery and colonialism. But since then, Prime Ministers and heads of state have only ever expressed sorrow or deep regret. These are not sentiments that are befitting one of the greatest atrocities in human history. And there's been no acknowledgement of the wealth that has been amassed or the fact that our country took out the largest loan it ever has to pay off the slave owners and not the enslaved. Did you all hear that? That our country took out the largest loan it ever has to pay off the slave owners and not the enslaved. Sound familiar? This is not in America. This is not in Indiana. This is not in Ohio. This is not in New England. This is in England. Sound familiar? Oh, yeah, one more thing. Let me go ahead and thread this needle some more. If you'll remember at the Haitian Revolution, what did the French demand of the people that they were brutalizing? They demanded reparations as the slave owners. Not as the enslaved, but as the slave owners. So this shows you that this is a white doctrine. That no, everybody, if you had slaves, you're going to get out the game clean. You're going to get out the game with your wealth intact. So they're letting you know that they understand the absolute imperative making sure that everyone who participated in the slave trade, everyone who profited off of it, could not be bankrupted. 
she took out the largest loan it ever has to pay off the slave owners and not the enslaved. So I want to ask the Prime Minister today if he will do what Bernie Grant asked all those years ago, what I have asked and what countless others have asked since, and offer a full and meaningful apology for our country's role in slavery and colonialism and commit to reparatory justice. Yeah. Now, by the way, in case you couldn't tell, she's talking about reparations. So if anyone is wondering whether or not it caught on and whatnot, and she's talking about vocal in Parliament 20 years ago, but let's be very, very clear, the reparations argument started here with us. We've been stomping on it now for decades. It's catching fire. People are getting more emboldened. They're saying it full-throated. They're coming out with it. Now they're having the courage to be able to say that on the other side of the world. Well, your, your, your non-white prime minister here, Mr. Sunak, representing Dykes, well, when she says what she says here, understand from a fella here who ostensibly you think has no you know, uh, no cultural dog in the fight, listen to what he has to say. Grant asks all those years ago what I have asked and what countless others have asked since and offer a full and meaningful apology for our country's role in slavery and colonialism and commit to reparatory justice. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 Mr. Speaker, but what I think our focus should now be on doing is, of course, understanding our history in all its parts, not running away from it, uh, but right now making sure that we have a society which is inclusive and tolerant of people from all backgrounds. Uh, that's something that we on this house, our uh, side of the house, are committed to doing and will continue to deliver. But trying to unpick our history is not the right way forward and it's not something that we will focus our energies on. Now, just like Mr. Ramaswamy, Mr. Sunak is Indian. He's second gen his parents came to Britain in the 1960s. His parents came to Britain in the 1960s. His parents came in the 1960s. You know, I just couldn't help but notice that so many of these children of these Indian immigrants who finally were allowed to leave from the sandbox in India in the 1960s, so many of them carry a consistent strain of anti-Black hostility and aggression. So you see, we're not fighting that first generation, we're fighting the second generation, and they've already had children, which means the third generation is already getting armed as we speak. I told you all we were going to be connecting a lot of dots tonight. It would be comprehensive, so stick with me because we got a lot of ground to cover. But I wanted to show you that, by the way, white supremacy is global. And when I say that they have outsourced white supremacy, they've outsourced the They know who they're bringing in. They know who they're letting in. They know who they are allowing 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 into quote positions of quote power even though none of these people ever achieve a position of power Kamala Harris was the most comedic example of that so they're showing you it isn't accidental that you keep running into this over and over again no matter where you go 
Now I want to show you one more disgraceful thing. You have this black woman here speaking on behalf of black people for reparations for slavery. I want to show you all that this is deliberate and conscious. And commit to reparatory justice. Yeah. Well, no, 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 Mr. Speaker, but what I think our focus should now be on doing is, of course, understanding our history in all its parts, not running away from it, uh, but right now making sure that we have a society which is inclusive and tolerant of people from all backgrounds. Uh, that's something that we on this house are... Uh, Do you see behind Prime Minister Sunak? Behind him to his left, do you see her? And we on this house, our curl side of the house, are committed to doing, and will continue to curl side of the house, are committed to doing, and will also our curl side of the on this house, our curl side. That's something that we on this house, our curl side of the house, are committed, and we on this house, our curl side of the house, are committed. Yes, yes, Daddy, yes. Now, we, we already know where she comes from, so we ain't even got to get into that. We already know where she's no. from. And take a look at the no. chick next to her. That's not an Anglo-Saxon. That certainly does not look like an Anglo-Saxon sitting to her, her left. So they know the game they're playing. They know what they're doing. They know who they've chosen. They know who they picked. They know who they've allowed. And they are everywhere because if you're going to make white supremacy work for the next 500 years you got to have all your bases covered and you got to put all the players in the position years and decades ago years and decades ago you got to have all your players and all your pieces in place you can't just jump up in 2023 and start putting them together no you got to start when black yeah, folk right. were making our moves in the 1960s, mm-hmm. these other folks were making their moves to counter us at the exact same time. It should be absolutely no coincidence that when we got a Civil Rights Act, they also passed an Immigration Act. We get civil rights starting to get rolling, and then they say, oh, we better get an Immigration Act together. And I submit to you all the decades later, by the fruit from the tree, now you can see what the strategy was. These are the children of the immigrants that they wrote the Immigration Act for. These are their children. And they knew that this was what it was going to be. Because they engineered it. White supremacy is global and is digging in its heels. The two socioeconomic capitals of the world, New York City and London. And take a look at who's in charge. Jason doesn't say a whole lot about who's in charge. Oh, wait a minute now. You have to understand if you can make this work. I've shown you the intellectuals. Now we're going to take this to the other end of it. Because you see, every ruler class has to have a labor class who executes the dirty work. And who would that be? Oh, right over here. Now, folks, wait till you hear this. This is from Fox 5 in New York City. 
those illegal aliens who've been getting bust up there by Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and other states. All it took was 20,000 of them to make New York start screaming and squealing. But listen to this story from Fox 5 out of New York. Brace yourselves is all I can tell you. Since arriving in the city, many asylum seekers are picking up various day jobs in order to make ends meet. Fox Night Jessica Formoso caught up with some of them this morning as they waited to be taken to a job site. I'm stopping this one right here because just so you can be aware, I'm just saying, just this, if visuals tell you anything, just wait till you see the camera switch to the next shot. Have faith in God and don't give up. Those are the words of Gustavo Tanqueño of Ecuador. Go back I'm home. I'm wondering whose bands he's leaning on. Right. By the way, I couldn't help but notice. Um, I couldn't help but notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see the license plate. I get that. Them folks good. Don't 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 think that's an excuse though. Them folks get around. And by the way, I couldn't help but notice what he was what he was leaning on. So life is hard for him. Got it. Don't give up. Those are the words of Gustavo Tanqueño of Ecuador who arrived four months ago. Every morning since, he stands for hours on the corner of Roosevelt Avenue and 69th Street, along with dozens of migrant day laborers of all ages, waiting for a car to pick them up and take them to a job site. He came in pursuit of the American dream, thinking New York would provide him with what he didn't have back at home, a job. If lucky, he gets picked up twice a week, making $150 a day, but he admits there are weeks he goes back empty-handed. Here you really come to learn. You come to learn a trade. You can see the desperation. Here you come to learn. You come to learn a trade. So in other words, when they talk about black folk being lazy or freeloaders or whatever, this guy's come up here, he doesn't have a skill. He's like, you come to learn a trade. I wonder who's helping. If the car pulls up, they all run towards it, hoping today will be the day they will be chosen. We all come to look for work, and sometimes we only get one day, and it's nothing at all. Says William Devine, who arrived three months ago, also from Ecuador. By the way, did John notice they all got smartphones, by the way? Did anybody notice they all got smartphones and they all have cell phone service? So yeah, they're struggling so hard. They don't have a job. They don't have anything. I see a bunch of clean shoes and I see a bunch of smartphones with active cell phone service. Clean shoes, smartphones. Somebody has brought them here. I want you all to understand. Tonight we're going to go so deep off into it because it isn't the reasons that you think. I mean, it partially is. Don't get me wrong. It's partially the reasons you think. But it's not the reasons you're in total that you think, not the root of it. 
months ago, also from Ecuador. He tells us this isn't the American dream he pictured. I thought it wasn't like that. If I knew this, I would have stayed in my own country. Go back, motherfucker. There was some work, very little, but something. This certainly goes against the narrative that media in New York tries to portray it. Oh, they're just poor migrants and Oh, there's no jobs or whatever. He just literally sat there and told yeah, you, oh, man, if I had known it was money like this in America, I would have stayed. We had more jobs and more work where I came from. Yeah. So why did you come here? Who told you? Who said you bigot? So let me get this straight. He came all the way up here. And now the media has to admit, oh, by the way, he's saying that he was better off where he came from. Then why are you imploring so many of them to come here if there isn't the quote work and there isn't the jobs? Because we told you, yeah, there's no jobs, y'all like that. We got 20 folk up here, you can't get jobs now. So why are you still demanding and trying to give them egress to get here? You're flooding the zone, you're over flooding it, you're overcrowding it. Why are you doing that when you know that it's not real? That's New York. Why don't we hop on over to Chicago? Migrants coming to Chicago overwhelmed city service. Number of migrants coming to Chicago overwhelmed city services. Nonprofits are stepping in to fill the void. WGN's Andrea Medina spoke with one family about the help they're receiving, and she joins us live from the South Side tonight. She joins us live from the South Side. So, in other words, where drunk Uncle Lightfoot. Democrat Party's chosen apparatchik and henchman. Yeah, she's going there on the black side of town because these this is targeted racism. And they're telling us about what they don't have on the south side of town. Black folk are on the south side of town, not on the north side. They're not up there on the north side. They're not taking them up there to Lincoln Yards. They're not taking them out there by the White Sox Stadium. They're not doing that. They drop them where black folk are. Right in the middle where black people are. Where there's no, there's no economy to deal with already. And what I told you all years ago, they're setting them up because you can't make it if you're not subsidized. they got to be subsidized. So now you see at the bottom of the screen, finding housing for migrants. Once again, just like New York City, they grab a Latina. By the way, just like New York City, Hell, these two chicks can be sisters. They grab a Latina to go make the argument for them in the middle in Chicago, which is probably the most racially segregated, at least starkly segregated city in America. Go right there where black folk are. She's standing in the middle of black folk to tell us what these other people need to be getting. Dina, the Venezuelan mother I spoke with is staying at the shelter behind me in West Englewood. She couldn't be more thankful to be out of her home country and have a roof over her family's head here in Chicago. But while she's only been here for a short time, she's demanding not to be forgotten because she says many in her situation have not received any public assistance benefits and remaining limbo on their next steps. Who the fuck this she hasn't she received is. public assistance, but she's not a member of the public. She's not even a citizen of the country. Public benefits, at least in New York, at least them cats over there, we're talking about we want a job. She's like, oh, let me bypass job altogether. Hey, where's my WIC voucher? I just showed up from Venezuela. 
Shout out to Hugo Chavez. And we have not forgotten Hugo Chavez. Let's be clear here. This is not the kind of help that Venezuela needs. It really isn't. Because she says many in her situation have not received any public assistance benefits and remain in limbo on their next steps. Well, there's the person squawking, and she's one among many. Madeleine is part of a recent wave of migrants from Venezuela seeking asylum in the U.S. She arrived to Chicago from Texas with her five kids by plane almost a week ago. She came to Chicago from Texas with not one, not two, not three, not four, five kids. Now, I wonder if they're all five of hers. I'm wondering if all five are hers. But by the way, yeah, she came up here with a gang of kids. A gang. And now that she's touched down, she's like, okay, I need y'all to drop me some benefits. The wave of migrants from Venezuela seeking asylum in the U.S. She arrived to Chicago from Texas with her five kids by plane almost a week ago. And is staying at the Olive Branch Mission in West Inglewood. She says we're grateful to be staying where we are. We have a bed, food, and have also received coats. But the mother goes on to say living conditions are not ideal for the children. She says we're not in a place where our kids' mental health is prioritized or where they can run around and play. At the same time, the mother adds she feels disconnected. We're just going to work this out with your children's father back in Venezuela. For all the passport bros who want to tell you about how much more family-oriented women from South America are, they literally stand out here by the dozens. No men in sight. But by the way, next time somebody wants to lecture you about uh, how ladylike and traditional values and all that, they ain't nothing like the black women in America. They, they, they know about family. They know about family here, too. The baby mama said, let me grab all the cherry. And let me go see if there's a tangent for something up there. But from here on in, they will be foot to the floor. I want to show you this video from Urban International, Miami's first super tall skyscraper, the Waldorf Astoria, Miami, which is under construction. Listen to the first 60 seconds. Believe it or not, this stack of nine glass cubes is set to become the tallest building south of New York City and Miami's first super tall skyscraper at 1,049 feet tall and precisely 100 stories. Welcome to the brand new Waldorf Astoria, Miami. The Miami Downtown Development Authority aims to establish Miami as what they call the epicenter of the Americas by 2025. Miami's master plan for the city is to make downtown Miami the business, social, and cultural hub of North and South America. And let me play that for you all one more time. 
The Miami Downtown Development Authority aims to establish Miami as what they call the epicenter of the Americas by 2025. Miami's master plan for the city is to make downtown Miami the business, social, and cultural hub of North and South America. And projects like this are doing just that. So we start off talking about the Waldorf Astoria under construction in Miami, but this really comes back to that uh, Miami World Center and the plans of the Miami Downtown Development Authority. Now you heard what he just said, that their goal, they started this years ago, their goal was to make Miami the epicenter of the Americas. That is North America and South America. And folks, if you doubt, I've taken the liberty of going to the Miami Downtown Development Authority website. I want to read this for you here so that you understand how serious they are. 2025 Downtown Miami Master Plan. Folks, not 2055, not 2035, 2025. You got less than 24 months. The goal of this downtown Miami master plan is to connect and maximize the potential of the central business district, the arts and entertainment district, Brick L, and Miami's celebrated waterfront. Building upon previous plans and studies, this master plan provides specific action-oriented implementation items that will increase the livability of downtown, encourage private, uh, encourage private sector investment and ensure the proper investment of public dollars. This master plan will outline a series of projects that support the goal of transforming downtown Miami into the epicenter of the Americas. Not 2055, not Jigsaw building y'all trying to make down there is memorable enough, let me tell you. Recommendations should be feasible and implementable. This master plan is not intended to be another passive plan or study, but rather a working document that lays out an aggressive course for delivery with catalytic action items that can be launched immediately. So they are letting you know exactly what they're doing here. When you step down here, section number one was overview. Section number two is status. Miami DDA staff and board directors are considering an update to the master plan or creating a new strategic plan. And section number three, becoming the epicenter of the Americas. And when you take a look here on their map, you show they're showing where Miami is. The, the literal title of this document, the title of their master plan is Epicenter of the Americas. This is the title of it. Not New York City, not Los Angeles, not Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, Miami, Florida. 
and it literally is telling you, oh no, we don't want to be the epicenter of America or the economic center of the world. We see ourselves as the epicenter of the Americas that we're strategically located to have influence, not just on the North American continent, but South American. Well, people, here's the problem. You can't put a plan in place like this and be the city of Miami or the state of Florida because state of Florida and Miami don't have any influence in South America. You would have to have, oh, the approval of the federal government. No, you would need the national government to co-sign something like this. You'd have to be on the same page with all of them for the federal government. So let me go ahead and skip down again. By the way, the title of their document, the title of their master plan is Downtown Miami, Epicenter of the Americas. They say right here in the first paragraph that is the goal of transforming Downtown Miami into the epicenter of the Americas. So in other words, to compete with Bangkok, Shanghai, Dubai, all those places you want to go fly around the world to, they want Miami to be the place that you fly into. New York is where you come and drop the money. California is where you come to live the live movie star life. Miami is where you come to enter the epicenter of the Americas, representing more than just North America. In other words, they're telling you that we are the representative of more than just the North American continent. But why? Becoming the epicenter of the Americas. Over the next five to 10 years, we are striving to complete the remaining goals outlined in our 2025 Downtown Miami Master Plan. From an urban planning perspective, the master plan includes enhancements to community spaces and streets, expansion of our transportation mobility network, and activation of our public spaces with art, outdoor dining, and green open space. In March of 2016, Back in March of 2016, the Miami Downtown Development Authority Board of Directors revisited the 2025 master plan to review the progress and reassessed its main goals. After the review, the board voted to refocus the five main goals of the master plan. The updated goals include number one, enhance our position as the business epicenter of the americas not new york miami heighten the experience of arts culture and entertainment not new orleans not atlanta miami create great urban public spaces foster a great public realm promote transit connectivity and mobility improve quality of life and livability but number one, enhance. No, notice what they're saying. They didn't say to create. They said to enhance. So what they're telling you is, oh, we're already the business epicenter of the Americas. Already. Folks, this is not Jason Black suppositioning. This is not conspiracy theory. This is not somebody making something up. You can go Google it right now. As a matter of fact, let me do you all a solid. I'll drop the link to it here, right here in the chat room right now. There goes the link for you. Whether you're watching this live or recorded, you can go to their website yourself and see it. 
that this is the plan. But Jason, why would they be going so whole hog for a plan like this? What's the benefit? What's the goal? What would be spurring this on? Well, there are a number of different reasons, but I'll drop one for you. If white supremacy is to maintain itself for the next 500 years, then it is going to have to tackle global challenges, not local ones. Black people in America are already locked down and boxed down. The only way that, that, would, that your power base would change is if black people get reparations and establish themselves as an economic force. But if you're going to hold this thing together, you got to realize the rest of the world is trying to aggregate and organize itself as a block, an economic block against you. BRICS, which you all know is British, um, which you all know is Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. South Africa, of all the places they could have chosen, why South Africa? It's not this major economic hub, but why is South Africa a member of it? Because they got plans for the entire continent of Africa, and South Africa is going to be key to executing that for these other places. Now, I want you all to understand how far this goes. I told you I was going to take you deep into this at a level that nobody else has. You are witnessing as the Eastern Hemisphere of the world is organizing itself for socioeconomic and possibly literal military combat against the West. They're already organizing themselves. And with that Brazil part of BRICS, that means that these elements already have influence inside the Southern Hemisphere of the West. They've already got a foothold in the Southern Hemisphere of the West, just like America has its footholds in Japan, in Korea, in Vietnam. Well, guess what? These other folks now are putting their toe prints in the Southern Hemisphere of America. So white supremacy is having to reorganize itself. Because this is the challenges they'll meet. Now, I want to show you all, just in case you didn't understand this, I've heard a lot of people talk about bricks. I've heard a lot of people pretend that they can talk about bricks. I've heard a lot of people claim they can talk about bricks. They say all kinds of things talking about bricks. But I never hear any of these people who claim to tell y'all that they're the Africanists telling you they're going to educate you about bricks. You notice I never hear them bring up uh, this story. How many of you remember this story? Let me go ahead and... Zoom in a little bit for you here. NPR, back in 2020, during the pandemic. How many of you remember this story? It was in the news and it went away. There is a disputed border in the Himalayas between India and China. You know, the I in bricks and the C in bricks. India and China. There's been bloodshed. I'm talking about recently, there's been death. There have been skirmishes and clashes between the Chinese military and the Indian military. There has been death. There have been soldiers. There's been bloodshed. There's been people killed. In this particular incident, it was 20 Indian troops and four Chinese. Don't you know that emboldened China? They're telling themselves, hell, four of our soldiers could kill 20 of theirs. We can walk right over them. The two most populous nations in, America, in the world, 
China and India, a third of the world's global population. And they've already been slugging it out in these disputed areas in Asia. And yet, that isn't preventing them from seeing the need and the necessity and the benefits of building an economic block specifically to counter the West in general and the United States in specific. And they are all demonstrating that they have global aspirations. And that includes the rulers of South Africa, the Afrikaners who were not dispossessed, who were not separated from the wealth they stole, and who are still the power brokers who control South Africa. So when you wonder why South Africa, I'm telling you why it is. It is the whites in South Africa and the whites in India, the whites in India, the whites in India, It is the whites in South Africa, the whites in India, the whites in Brazil. And they are all putting themselves into position for what they're going to do for the next 500 years on both sides of the world. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, the whites in Russia. Can't leave them out. Because Russia is no friend to black people. Yeah, I remember Paul Robeson. Russia's no friend to black people. So does it make sense to you now? Does it make sense to you now that with America telling itself that it's staring down the barrel of a world that for the next 500 years is actually reorganizing itself to challenge American white supremacy and replace it with another white supremacy? Does it make sense to you now that America would see an extreme urgency in propping itself up, in gathering strength from wherever it can to marshal together the genetic legacy wherever they can? Because you see, they won't control anything. All they'll be able to do is submit and contribute their strength to the cause. Jason, what cause? The cause of white supremacy staying in power and staying in control. The leadership class is bringing in reinforcements. And the idea isn't just economic, the idea is political, that you need to establish your control outside of America and Florida, specifically Miami, Culturally speaking, they keep yelling about culture, 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 because Miami, not New York, New York ain't got no stroke in South America, and North America, the United States government, is held in very high suspicion in South America. But guess what? Miami, Florida isn't. They make a distinction between Miami, Florida, and America. So Miami, Florida has entree and influence and an ability to communicate that these other places don't. And they are showing you now that America now sees it as necessary to put its dime on influence throughout 
this Western Hemisphere all together. And even for countries that ain't cool on you, if their people are desperate and eager to get to you, then you've got control and influence over them. You can neutralize two birds with one stone. Will it work? Jason, you, you're laying out a great big hypothesis here, but where's your proof it's true? Where's your proof it's worked? Where's your proof that the empirical data bears out what you're saying? Very glad you asked. For those of you who've forgotten, and you can Google this forever, I like this one from indiestimes.com. New study, and this is back in 2019, right before the pandemic, but the facts are still the same. New study says the median black family will have zero wealth by 2082. You'll see other articles that show that you'll have zero wealth by 2053. Many people would argue that we have zero wealth today, but they definitely want to make sure that they submit this in concrete forever. And if you're going to submit something like this in concrete forever, long after you're dead, that means you have to have kicked up a tsunami before you got buried in the ground. You have to kick up a tsunami. And I submit to you today, that's exactly what they've done. Now, the article here says, the story of the growing inequality in the United States has many dimensions. There is an overarching story of the last four decades of polarizing income, wealth, and opportunity. Well, they're certainly making sure that some of these other folks here get opportunities, whether they want or not. They're certainly propping them up. Black folk have never received this level of uh, help and assistance, by the way. But the many ways these inequalities manifest depend on people's gender, get the hell out of here, race, age, immigration status, get the double hell out of here, and other experience. Now skip down here, it says, wealth is where the past shows up in the present, both in terms of historical advantages and barriers. Measures of wealth, what you own minus what you owe, reflect the multi-generational story of white supremacy and asset building. For example, the median white family now has 41 times more wealth than the median black family and 22 times more wealth than the median Latino family. Y'all don't need no help. Y'all are good. Y'all real good. You're way closer to white folk than we are. You're good. Now, folks, everybody else doesn't put this in its proper perspective. They always read stories like this and leave it out of its proper perspective. But I'm going to make one sentence and one statement tonight that hopefully will gather everything I've said here tonight, bring it to its conclusion, so it puts all of this in its proper context and perspective. I urge you now to brace yourself for when we get there, because no one you've ever heard will put it in its proper context and articulate it the way I'm about to hear in a few moments. The, the, these are among our findings from Dreams Deferred, a new study on the racial wealth divide that I co-authored for the Institute for Policy Studies. Overall, inequality has grown as wages for almost half of all U.S. workers have been flatlined since the 1970s. This has touched people of all races. Clearly, it touched but didn't impact no one, anyone nearly as much as black folk. That shows what the hell is about. Now, this is what I want to bring you to. 
This is what I want to bring you to. Since the early 1980s, media wealth among black and Latino families has been stalled at less than $10,000. The median black family today owns $3,600, just 2% of the $147,000 of wealth the median white family owns. The median Latino family has assets of $6,600, just 4% of the median white family, and yet they got more than black folk. So that's not accidental. Since 1983, median wealth for all U.S. households declined by 3%, adjusting for inflation. Over the same period, the median black family saw their wealth drop by more than half. Median wealth for all U.S. households fell by 3%, but black folks saw theirs fall by 50%. Don't compare us to Latinos. They get white folks' results. Don't compare us to Chinese. They get white folks' results. Don't compare us to Indians. They're getting white folks' results. We are in a class by ourselves because unlike these other groups, we have been targeted. Now I take you to the crux of the reason I brought you here tonight. Okay. They go on to say, if the trajectory of the past three decades continues, by 2050, the median white family will have $174,000 of wealth, Latino median wealth will be $8,600, and Black median wealth will head downward to $600. In fact, median Black family wealth is on track to reach zero dollars by 2082. Brothers and sisters from around the world, do you understand what they just said? They just said that white folks have already got 50 times more wealth than you have. That's what they have today. And despite all the things that we mentioned, so-called woke culture, so-called the immigration crisis, the illegal alien crisis, the BRICS crisis, despite all of that, they're telling you that in 30 years, white folks' wealth will increase to 174,000. Their wealth will go up. Our wealth will go down. You never heard anybody tell you that within the context of these conversations. That, by the way, these folks have run the numbers. Their white folk are already well ahead of us. And what they're saying is that going into the future, white wealth will only increase. However, black people's wealth will decrease to zero. The legacy of Lee Atwater, the legacy of Strom Thurmond, the legacy of Karl Rove, that you will discuss these topics without having to use the word black, and that the, uh, it'll affect everybody, but the effect on white people will be minor, the effect on black people will be catastrophic. That white people will be okay, it'll require a little slowdown, but the effect on black people will be utter devastation. 
and you will do it while black folk can buy more tennis shoes, more cell phones, more sneakers, more shirts, more handbags, and more overpriced housing than ever. And that they have calculated that even in the face of all of that, white people's wealth is actually going to increase. It's actually going to go up. So will Latinos. And while we're dealing with that, as you all know, most Latinos identify as white. So they're going to be actually part of this 174,000. These folks right here are the 8,600. These are the 8,600. That's the 8,600 right there. This is the zero. Not them. This is the zero. No, they're the 80s. The Latinos are the 8,600. Even the brown ones. Even the ones, if, if they don't identify as white, many of them do. Many of the brown ones do. Oh, they're letting you know, about we're going to be the 8,600. We're not going to be that 600. Damn sure ain't going to be the zero. We're going to be the 8,600. I promised you all tonight that I was going to give you the 720 degrees of analysis you received nowhere else, that you would have a clear perspective on what white supremacy is planning and doing and has already put the machine and the wheels in motion for the next 500 years of dominance. And the last 500 years, black people could be poor. The next 500 years, wipe you out. Thank you. You can't be nowhere. The last 500 years, we suppressed you. The next 500 years, elimination. And everybody who goes with the program, everyone who signals that they're on the team, everybody who makes it clear that they ain't going to rock the boat, they're not going to cause any problems. They're just looking to improve their position in the white supremacist system, but they have absolutely no interest whatsoever in overthrowing it. All of them are slated to be good. Why, you will get to join us in establishing the empire of the Americas. But you first have to let us know that you are not going to be in league with the only threat to white supremacy. That ever lingering black presence that threatens to bring the whole damn thing down because they are the only group who has been historically and currently is against white supremacy. Everybody else is all for it. We're the only group against it. That took me almost an hour and a half, but I think it's been worth your while for me to be able to play prosecuting attorney and lay out the case in its entirety with every detail so that you understand that we're not going on hyperbole and we're not going on rumor and innuendo. That when you see this happening right here, you know damn well this only helps what's going on in Miami. And that only helps going on in Florida, but it will not stay there because I mentioned in Miami, California is already the sixth largest economy in the world. And what did she sit up here and tell you in their piece here on uh, NBC? That when they come over here, yeah, they're looking to see if they get mobbed up at the border. The same journey that you made. A lot of information, trust me. 
social media sites are even giving tips on where to cross here in California. It's considered a better bet over Arizona or Texas. Yeah, these places that want to bolster their economies. And let's be clear, if you're going to build something like this thing in, in, in Miami, you're going to build something like this, that's going to require a lot of labor, isn't it? And by the way, the cost on this thing they're talking about is pretty damn cheap, to be totally honest. Let me go ahead and get into that, too. So you can find out they're actually talking price when compared to New York and California, the building cost they're actually talking about is actually eh, relatively cheap. The tallest one, consisting of 360 residential condos and a five-star hotel with over 200 rooms managed by Hilton. The structure way a square foot in Miami. And understand, remember, I taught you in my documentary film, 7 a.m., I taught you that every time you build one of these mega structures, it sets off an economic bomb that blows up the housing and property values of everything around it. So, in other words, all the other buildings around this thing are going to start to reach parity. All the other buildings around this thing are going to reach parity. So when this thing goes up, it's going to raise the values of all the, the square footage of all the surrounding existing buildings. When they come up, everybody come up. When they come up, everybody comes up. And this is just one. The Downtown Development Authority of Miami has approved at this point right now, they've approved two dozen buildings. They haven't approved just one. This is just the one we talking about. They've approved a two dozen more. And this is just really phase one. They have every intention of Miami Looking like Bangkok or Shanghai or Dubai, every intention, that's where we going. So what I'm telling you is they're not going to build 20 skyscrapers. This is just going to be the first 20. This is just the first 20. So everybody's going to start going up in the sky. The next 20 is going to really get your attention. Hurricane group. And Miami, in many ways, mimics Chicago. Black folk are specifically segregated in specific areas, and they're going to get them out the way. You're going to get priced the hell out of here. This is major movement. So if any of you are wondering what's the game plan, what's the goal, and oh, yeah, it isn't lost on me that uh, Ron DeSantis, your full Latino governor in Florida, who's sitting up here yelling about woke all the damn time, has overwhelming support among Latinos in Florida. And it hasn't missed me that these folks up here jump up and talk about that, and this all seems to come back to Florida, that Florida's going to set the tone the way things are going to go down from here on in. It's not lost on me that that's who's going to be setting the tone for it. My 
my job is to make sure that you have all the intellectual firepower and knowledge and insight that you can possibly have so that you're not relying and grumping on rumor and innuendo and your uninformed uncle fresh out the joint. That you have somebody who can show you specific <laughs> examples and show you how all the pieces hook together. Buffer classes of individuals brought over here decades ago for the purposes of prepping the groundwork. Because if you're going to destabilize black folk, you got to start early. Five decades later, the tree is bearing the venomous fruit. And now they have taken up the mantle and the words and the vocabulary of the white supremacists, and they're specifically targeting us, both in America and abroad. They are flooding the zone from the north, the south, the east, and west with your replacement labor class sending them specifically into black areas specifically specifically targets everywhere you go black people are targeted black people are targeted black people are targeted black people are targeted every move they make targets us they have a labor class that will come in and their job is to make sure that they maintain the status quo. So we've got them at the top and then you got them at the bottom and you squeezed out all together with the United States government saying, and yes, this is the plan whereby which we will not only hold on to what we have, but to counter some of these upstarts before we put them all back in their place, which ultimately is going to happen. They'll put, eventually they'll put them back in their place. But before they do, now let's go ahead and knock out this hemispherical thing. This gives us the excuse to do it. The reason why I have the black channel is so I can go in the long form about these things, so I can connect all the dots so that you leave here fully informed. Now you understand what the vision is. Now you understand how the machinery works and how it's all connected. Now you understand the plan of white supremacy for the next 500 years. However, you might disagree. Therefore, the telephone lines are now open. The number is 646-787-1933. That's 646-787-1933. Your personal access code to the Blackest Radio Program in existence. The only one of its kind on planet Earth today. As always, you are welcome to join us. I want to send a big shout out here to everybody who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, Super Chat, Venmo, Black Voltron, reloaded as always. Thank you very much, your brother. We appreciate that. Supporting New Black Media Month of my girl, Shani. Thank you very much for your support as well, man. We appreciate that. Thaddeus Jones II and everyone else who has contributed to support tonight's program. We thank you very much here. We're going to take a very brief commercial, non-commercial break. When we come back, we'll be taking your phone calls. This is the Black Channel. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do that. 
yours today to experience all the benefits of ash cake and natural body butter with skin so smooth and soft. Well, thank us for it. Shop Ash Cake and All. That's A-S-H-K-I-C-K-I-N.com. My name is Joe Jackson. I'm the foundation of Black America, and I have been for my team before helping the family vote. The industry's been changing. I've learned a lot. But how do we get here? How do we navigate issues we face in the workplace? How can we get our house in order? Me, the concept of intricacies of being Black and IT, now on Amazon, as well as the best-selling guide to being Black and IT. Go to beingblackandit.com. More Threads, a brand owned by a descendant of Black American freedmen, was created to uniquely address Black American history and contributions that have been intentionally hidden and suppressed. Use their apparel and more to learn and share the Black American history of Black inventions, heroes, talents, Black business districts, and more. Sign up and support not only a Black-owned business, but a movement at www.morethread.com. Hi, this is Brenda Starr, creator of Poetry with a Purpose and author of the book, Press But Not Crush. Press But Not Crush is an anthology of political poems that address current and historical issues in American descendants of slave population and African-American population. The book describes slavery and its residuals, Jim Crow segregation, social depredation, and other relevant issues to American descendants of slaves and African Americans, including the current political climate that does not address our issues. This is Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the Black Authority. Very glad to have you all with us here this evening, and the telephone lines are now open. The number is 646-787-1933. That's 646-787-1933, your personal access code to Black's Radio Program in existence. I want to thank everyone who's contributed to support tonight's program here as well. So to um, Tamara, thank you very much for your support. Mr. Richburg, Mr. Baker, and everyone else, thank you very much for supporting the program here tonight. We have been talking about white supremacy for the next 500 years and how that's going to go and what that's going to look like, what they're doing it for and why it's happening, connecting all the dots, why it is that going forward they'll be put to the floor. So let's go ahead and get you to weigh in on that. We're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines here. Let me get a caller from area code 860. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Jean from Hartford County, Connecticut. Okay, what is your name? Hello, Jane from Hartford County, Connecticut. Hello, Jane. And what's on your mind? Jane, 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 J E A N. Yes. Oh, I'm just concerned, you know, you know, hearing what's, you know, about to take place. It's good to know ahead of time and all that. I'm just concerned about, you know, my people. <laughs> yeah. What can we do? What solutions other than what we're doing now? Oh, you know, sweet. working and some people are working to get their own businesses, learn all we can from YouTube. What else can we do? Okay. Um, let me find out a couple of things here. How long have you been listening to the program? 
tonight? Well, no, I mean, how long have you been a subscriber to our program? Um, over a year. Okay. And what you're telling me is that in the last year, you have not heard us repeatedly articulate the solution. Well, I guess I'm being kind of like, I don't want to sound it, but kind of like being overwhelmed as we see that if other nations of people are joining in with what we deal with already in this country, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to say scary, but it's kind of like, you know, overwhelming and just want to make sure that we're Covering all well, I gotta tell you, uh, I appreciate your support and everything, and you're listening in. That smoke alarm chirping is painful. Yeah. to me. That was frightening. I'm worried you're not gonna be able to get out the house if something happens. So, the nine volt battery will change your life. But what I will tell you here is, uh, let me find out here. First of all, where are your people from? Oh, my uh, parents are from Alabama. Mm okay. You ended up in an odd neighborhood. Are they originally from Alabama? I thought she was coming to you. Yeah, my parents are from Alabama, yeah. Right, where are they from? Where's your family from originally? What are we doing? Um, you met mother father? Well, I'm talking about your ancestors. Oh, I just know my whole family from Alabama. That's what, um, you know, African American. Sounds interesting there. Well, here's what you need to remember. Our job is to make sure that you are properly informed about the situation that you find yourself in, not improperly informed. So what we have to do is keep you up to date as the conditions on the ground change, as things are happening. You don't go into a war zone and they take a picture one time and then tell you, okay, get out there and go win. You have to stay up to date. The, the battlefield is changing minute by minute. You need to know what's happening. Right. You need to know where there are more soldiers aggregated. You know where they're moving. You know their supply lines. You need to know if they're getting any picked up any new allies or any new alliances. You need to know where the troop movements are migrating to. So you need to have up-to-date information. Now, tonight's program is a little bit different because I usually don't go into withering detail into a bunch of different places. So I usually don't go into as many places as I did tonight. But tonight's program was expansive. So you might be a little bit overwhelmed by the fact that we touched on so many things, but the bottom line is white supremacy is global. And you can't fight a global system if you don't know who the players are and where the players are and how the players are moving. So this is all information that you need. If you're going to start a business, for example, like the Turkey Leg Hut, if you're going to do that, you got to remember, you may be in Houston, Texas, but there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on. And you need to be aware of everything that's happening everywhere, not just one place, so that you can be prepared for that because you got a bunch of white folks who think that they um have white allies or brown allies, that that's their plan, that's the plan that they have. Well, don't worry, we got a large Indian population in New Jersey, in Chicago. We got a large Indian population, don't worry, they're minorities like us. The other thing is to make sure this is clarified to you who the actual ones are, because if you're telling yourself that, well, as long as they're not old, 
will be okay. The young ones don't think like that. The young ones ain't that way. They'll tell you that. And then you'll turn around and get blindsided. I'll sit here and tell you, you have to understand, these folks being given big money. This Ramaswamy dude, he comes from big money. He's doing interviews with Jordan Peterson. He was on Meet the Press earlier today. They asked him about everything except his racist comments. They asked him about transgender. Asked about everything except his racist comments. They mentioned it at the beginning. Chuck Todd mentioned it at the beginning. Never came back to it. Now, young people need to be fully informed so that they recognize the trick bag and the code language when they hear it. So that they look for those things because he'll sit there and tell you that the issue is being woke. He named three things when he started, but I'm like, hey, you better keep listening. When you let him keep talking, you heard him finally narrow it down to who he's really after. And he kept coming back to it, back to it. He mentioned gender twice. He mentioned black folk, what, half a dozen times or more? Named three things, but hammered on only one. And then you come back to Sunak. And then you go these other places. So when you're sitting here asking, no, what do we do about it? You do what we have told you to do about it, but you need to be informed. You need to know the timelines. You need to know the places. You need to know the dates. You, we can't stop them from bringing these people in here, but we can damn sure be aware of what's going on, where they're happening at, so that we can make individual plans and individual moves. So if you see them flooding the zone on the south side of Chicago, by us telling the south side of Chicago, hey, they flood in the zone. Lori Lightfoot got kicked out of office, and, and in part because black folk in the south side started marching, mobilizing. When we started reporting that, hey, they're putting them all up in the, in the school there on the south side. They're bringing in the illegals and dropping them to the school as their housing. So you get the information, and I expect you to think strategically about it. She need to get that damn smoke alarm. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Why are you here? Why the fuck? Let me get called from code 323. You're on live. With the Black Channel, what's your name? Where you calling from? Hey, good evening, Big Brother Jason Black. This is Brother Elijah calling out of Lake Success, New York. All right, Brother Elijah, what's on your mind? Brother, um, two, uh, two going on three years ago, you and Professor Truth did a masterpiece program, and Professor Truth um, pointed out how the powers that be were going to do what they could do to um, physically eliminate us. And we had to uh, fight and push back as hard as we can. Now from tonight's program, we, we see the um, game now. They're just, if they can't physically eliminate us, they're trying to financially eliminate us. My question is this, do you predict, okay, if we leave these changing cities, these gentrifying areas and just keep going to another area. Do you believe that these um, people will keep following us until we wind up in the street? That's my question. I mean, my, my question to you is when you say, well, hey, if we move to another area, where are you going to move? The white supremacists don't already have control and influence. Where are you going? Give me an example. No, if you make the suggestion, I'm like, okay, I'm all for it. Tell me where you're going that you're not going to already be that you're not in the middle of the same problem. Oh, yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm, um, please pardon my, um, pardon me for that. Uh, I was just talking about 
we leave um, Los Angeles to go to Ontario, or just do that as an example. Just leave to go to a Go to Canada where Jordan yeah. Peterson and Stephen Crowder are from. So. Yeah, Mr. go there. Right? Yeah, he was a snitch. No, I understand. Totally safe. Totally safe. Every week. Totally safe. Every week. No, what I'm saying is that you all, like the previous caller here, here's the issue. What you all are articulating is a lack of skill set. As black people, we, we, we can't look for, oh, where are we going? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? If you're executing the plan the way we've been talking about for over a decade, it isn't about going someplace where there is no adversity and there is no conflict and there is no difficulty. It is about you being built up and prepared to handle whatever you run into wherever you go. That's why I was explaining to Gene. That's if you've been listening for a decade, you know that's why I tell you. I'm not telling you you're gonna go somewhere where there's not gonna be problems. Everywhere you live in a system of white supremacy. It's a system. It is everywhere. There's nowhere you're gonna go run to hide. There's nowhere you're going to go to put distance between you and them. They conquered the world 500 years ago is the point I made to everybody. Christopher Columbus, they conquered it 500 years ago. You ain't running nowhere. There's nowhere to run to. I'm teaching you how to stand, not how to run. Thank you very much for giving us a call. We get caller from country code 447. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, my name is uh, Adrian. I'm calling from London, England. All right, Adrian from London, what's on your mind? Um, I was watching your show. I've been a long time with Brad. Uh, we're trying to get through to you for like at least 10 years. Um, I think you've got a few good points about the Chief Greenhack. Um, when would you see that they're coming up? in the uh, elections, he made a few presentations about how he loved the English society and what English society stood for and how he was going to stay loyal to the English values. And I thought at the time it was very telling of where he was really going to go with his campaign and, and, and his you know, allegiance to white society. And like you said to the previous corner, I knew there's nowhere to run. Uh, obviously, I'm here in England, I'm uh, a child of uh, Jamaican heritage, but I think the dynamics here in England is a lot different from America because most of that is what basically all of us are all from all different colonies of the um, of the British colonial system. And uh, the Asians are very, very loyal to white supremacy. They have a very large caste system amongst themselves where they can't battle Muslims or they can't marry Hindus, and but however they can also marry white people, which I obviously I live in London, there's a very large Asian community here, and that's how they operate. They alienate out the black people, uh, the jobs, uh, a doctor friend of mine was um, eliminated from his work by the Indians, they say he should just be a rapper. We have I'm an accountant, we have a lot of these people working amongst us, it's very hard to work with Indians. Strange enough, it's better to work with the white people than it is normal. So I think you made a few good points by putting up what you've seen back today, and I'd like to thank you for that. Well, yeah, we try to stay on top of these things, and you're absolutely right. You know, anyone who knows the history of India knows that it was a British colony, and really intellectually and culturally, it still is. The problem with the Indias of the world and the Jamaicas of the world is that there's a sizable portion of the population 
that seeks to validate itself as British subjects. They seek to validate themselves as being, you know, part of the system and part of the uh, the culture. So Sunak got in his position. You can see why he got there. He's made it very clear. He's not going to upset the status quo. He's here to maintain it. So they didn't choose him because they were bored. They chose him because he let them know, oh, I'm here to maintain the status quo. And he believes it. This was the problem that black folk had with Barack Obama. Black folk in America simply couldn't wrap their heads around the idea that you could have a black person who was a full, full, fully invested white supremacist uh, acolyte. Black folk hey, he's, he's identifying racism. He's speaking on it. He's mentioning it here. He's, he's acknowledging it exists. And then turns right around and upholds the status quo. That has been the psychological stumbling block that black folk have had all this time. This is why we're begging the drum because black folk in America are the same population. Black people in Britain are half that. And you're seeing, you're seeing a dynamic where Right now in America, they're letting in the Latinos and the Asians and the white immigrants, but they planted the Haitians back in the game. And over there in Britain, you're seeing the same thing. They're gathering up the black immigrants, the black, I'm sorry, the black illegal immigrants. They're gathering them up. They're making plans to do that. But everybody else, we're going to be a little hands off with them. But for the black ones, they're doing the same thing they're doing over here in the States. They're filtering them out. I don't know if you heard about the uh, Whitwash scandal that we had over here. Yes. Um, where we had people like my uh, grandfather who came over here and built the, um, uh, built up the, uh, the, the, the motorway system that they didn't have at the time and was doing all the uh, train and rail system. And then he actually was a, obviously part of this when he had a British passport. And what they did was they just changed the rules and said that everyone who came with a British passport from the colonial countries. They no longer are uh, a citizen and then kick them out of the country. And there's a massive scandal here. We have hundreds of thousands of people being sent back to uh, Jamaica, Caribbean, African countries. And uh, it, it, it works regardless if you're uh, illegal or illegal. That's what I'm just trying to say, Jason. Well, yeah. I mean, what they're showing you is what we've always warned about. Black people are legal aliens. And this is why it is so important for us to discuss and make sure we bring up the history of these things. Because when you start noticing that, hey, Britain, see, the thing that they play in America is there, there's these lies that get told. Canada's not racist. Australia's not racist. Why? Racism is an American issue. That's a North American problem. Why, over here in Britain, we were the first ones to get rid of slavery. And then when you actually go into the details, you realize that's a damn lie. You only got rid of slave, you only outlawed slavery on, on the British continent, not continent, but in the British nation itself, but that wasn't even where slavery was being practiced. It was being practiced in the colonies, and slavery was still alive and very much well there. So it was this double speak, and you notice in 100, 200 years later, you're still dealing with this double speak. What they're telling you is we have every intention of keeping on doing exactly what we've been doing. We're going to have intellectual arguments with you, but we're not going to make any substantive physical changes unless we're forced to do so. That's why everybody has to recognize 
the devil everywhere we go is the same one. Thomas from Dallas, Texas. All right, Thomas from Dallas, what's on your mind? 
Uh, yeah, Jason, this this broadcast. I mean, you you put it on you put it right on the money. That salami guy. I mean, when he started talking about the woke and black people, man, he got real angry. I'm gonna have to go back and and watch the broadcast again. But that guy got real angry when he started talking about black people, man. And I I want to say this big is the evil thing about him is that what if he if he was to take office, man, we in trouble as black people. I mean. They bring these people over from these other countries, man, and they hate our guts. And I'm gonna tell you, I, I grew up in Oklahoma City, man. Nobody likes it, man. Uh, even Native Americans don't even like black people. Mexican people don't like black people. I mean, you name it. I can go down the list of different cultures that hate us. Hate our so you mean all and that, all that bowing and scraping and butt dancing and butt kissing and trying to convince everybody that we the cool friend of the party? You mean to tell me that they can get us anywhere? Nowhere. I mean, the old niggas play us, play us <laughs> to, to the south. You know what I mean? And another thing, I thought it was against the law to stand around in, in New York because when black folks were doing it, they, they created a law called uh, Stop and Frisk. But when they, when, these, when they put these clowns up from these different countries, they don't have that problem. Eric Adams was a part of the Stop and Frisk. And by the way, yeah, ain't no Stop and Frisk in New York for anybody except black folk. There's none for anyone there except us, as usual. They're showing you who their target is. No, 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 no. We made these laws for you, not for everyone else. Same thing in California. Remember, the, I told y'all a decade ago, the sheriff in Los Angeles, oh, all the rest of y'all got to have insurance, except the illegals. They don't have to have car insurance. It'd be a hardship. So, yeah, you know, these folks letting me know that what we said the whole damn time is absolutely true. I said it over a decade ago that they're going to get blatant with it. They're going to get out in the open with it. And they're out in the open with it now. Because let's be very, very clear. It's going to be, if these folks do quote, find any work, it's going to be white folks who give it to them. It's going to be white folks. They're showing up in New York City to go see if there's some white folk who need something done for them. We're not showing up to see if Asians need nothing done. Asians ain't gonna hire you. We're not showing up to see if black folk need anything. And there's not enough Latinos up there to sustain them, obviously. So they're coming up here to find out, hey, is there anything these, these white folk need done? And they're being allowed to stand around here and do their thing. But you make a very good point. There ain't no stopping frisk here. And another thing too, I thought, I thought, I thought having all these kids, you know, baby mamas, baby mamas, but they bringing five and ten kids over the border. Now, if you live on the Texas border, you don't have a hey, come through the desert with babies. But, but they allow them to bring all these kids over. They not even rich. They won't. They won't welfare. They won't. I mean, she don't want to. She don't want a job. She had. She just came over and found out that she wants a plug. What? And sitting on and sitting on the south side. And sitting on and sitting on the south side of Chicago, talking about what they need to do for her. Nobody invited her here. Nobody asked her to be here. She sure is bringing the entitlement. So that tells you that's engineered. When somebody shows up, got this much entitlement going. It's like yes, somebody put a bug in her ear. What's going to happen? Where's the baby daddy? He's back, he's back over in Guatemala, but he has more kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. sit on the left, I don't need him. Sit across the border. 
They didn't take them up into the yeah. northeast. And they said it was because they come from fishermen backgrounds. Okay, well, if you don't do that, why didn't you take them up into the northeast? They can do some lobster fishing. No, well, if they're down there in Louisiana, they can go get some shrimp down there. So this is not something new. Ever since we fought for civil rights, there's just been this never-ending campaign to destabilize us everywhere we go. And it seemed at the time, you know, this is slowly turning up the heat on the frog in the skillet, it seemed like it was a small thing at the time. Now, decades later, you realize, hell, they just, they basically, they didn't turn on a fire hose. What they did was they just turned on the tap on your kitchen sink halfway. They just turned it on halfway and just let it keep running was all they did. And yeah. then you woke up a few days later and the water is at the top of the sink. You come back tomorrow, it's overflowing a little bit. You come back in a week, it's flooded the kitchen out. You come back in a month and you got water damage all over the place. So it didn't just happen overnight because they knew, well, we moved too fast. Folks are gonna recognize it for what it is. They've been slow walking this thing the whole time and now they're deep off in the paint with it. Thank you very much for giving us a call. I'm not going to get called Miracle 504. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Um, it's Anna. Uh, Nicola. I'm already going to chat, though. Okay. Nicola. You're Nicola calling from New Orleans. And she sounds very unsure of herself. What is on your mind? No, because I haven't seen an that's not good. Because I'm here five hundred years and it's got me like overwhelmed. And then I'm thinking back to the previous five hundred years and I'm thinking, okay, what was going on then? Like what was the plan then? This is the second female caller we've had here tonight who claims she's overwhelmed. So they're having a lot of anxiety about this. Yeah. Now was that the reason? Was that the reason you called in? No, I I was listening. I was like, I had my thoughts. But the more y'all talk, the more. That's interesting. You said that you were. You said that you were. You think about aliens? Oh my God! Anyway, uh, you said that you were. Okay, you said you were Ardell from the chat. Did were you did you call in or were you told to call in? No, no one told me to call in. Okay, that's very interesting because there was an Ardell in the chat who said something about Obama. Uh uh. No, I'm already grown in the chat. Okay, I thought you said Ardell. I said it three or four times. Y'all she's very sugar. Okay, well definitely um just refer back to what I said to the previous caller. The first woman called in. She had her alarm, uh, smoke alarm chirping. And um, the first couple of calls. So this is not about you being scared or anxious. You can't do anything being scared or anxious. You're not here to be scared or anxious. You're here to understand. There are a lot of things in this world that can harm you. Fire, electricity, tall objects, heavy objects, sharp objects. There's a lot of things that can harm you. But you don't get up every day, at least I hope you don't, paranoid, that today you're going to get burnt, electrocuted, or cut. What you learn is that I live in a world where this is where these things are, and the more aware you are, the more you manage it. Remember, 100 years ago, you didn't have, well, over 100 years ago, you didn't have a fully electrified, wired-up country for electricity. You didn't have that. 
You had a bunch of folk with wood burning stoves. Uh, hot water was wood burning. And then over the course of, in each of those cases there, over the course of a couple of decades, the same households had went from that to having electricity, to having hot water heaters, to having refrigerators, to having televisions, to having automobiles. And you learn to manage each of those, not to be afraid of. So as life changes and as things change, this knowledge is being given to you so that you can make adjustments, not so you can make yourself afraid. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Let me get called from Erico 321. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? I can't go to Hey, Jason, my name is Antoine from Orlando, Florida. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Um, especially with the Indian thing. Because me, I like I like history. A lot of people don't know. In India, they got to think. That's where the whole concept of Aryan comes from. It goes back to India. Even the Nazi got their symbol from India. And people don't know that they got their own version of Native Americans in India, which when you look them up, they're black people. I'm talking about African living people that live in India that's been there before. People we call so called Indians. And they're very anti black. So it makes sense. They, they know what they're doing. That's why they bring a lot of Latinos because Latinos have an anti black culture down there. And so do the Indians. Well, you know, when you take a look at these things, these folks didn't meet these folks and just not learn anything about them. What they learned were their, their cultures. They learned their norms. They learned their vulnerabilities. So when they dealt with the East Indians, what white people found was, well, damn, they have a very well-established, very well-entrenched class culture. They've got a very well-entrenched caste system. Well, hey, well, you know, there's a points of similarity between us, right there. So they understand that every man's great equal, just uh, some people more equal than others. So we ain't gonna have to fight with them to accept white supremacy. We just need to explain to them our understanding of it, because they already are. Then when you move on over there to China, oh, y'all already believe in an imperial system. You all already got that. Okay, well, we're going to get along just fine because we have an imperial system too. You call him emperor, we call him king. So you know, we, 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 we good about that. Okay, was, you believe in empire building. The Mongols, the Ming Dynasty. So, okay, you already own that. Well, you'll get along with us just fine. And everywhere you go, they look for a point of commonality, something that they can be like, okay, we're going to work with you because you understand this part of it. And now, decades later, who are their model minorities? You notice black people have never graduated to model minority status, but the Asians, both the uh, Oriental and East Indian, the Asians came in with their model minority status. They didn't actually have to earn it. They just always been assumed that way. So what does that tell you? It can't be because of anything they actually did. It is because of who they already were. Just like uh, Gandhi. I found out Gandhi was very racist. And I didn't, I just wanted to show about Chippendale that I know was owned by an Indian guy the whole time. Chippendale did the dancing, the guy dancing thing. And if you watch that show, it told you he was very racist to the black dancers. Even though the black gentleman gave up the most money. That's how a caste system works. 
A caste system has absolutely nothing to do with how hard you work, how loyal to the regime you are, how little trouble you give the regime, how little trouble you give the dominant society. A caste system cares nothing for it and doesn't have a damn thing to do with that. There is nothing that you can do to elevate yourself in the eyes of the dominant society except one. Show them that you will not be their servant, nor their slave, nor their victim any longer. Now, that's the only thing that changes the way they treat you. But as far as going along and get along, and if I show them that I can be the most unproblematic cog in their machine, they'll take it easy on me. No, that never works. Never has. Never will. Thank you very much for giving us a call here tonight. Big shout out here to uh, T. Turner and especially uh, Ms. Green. Thank you very much for supporting tonight's program. We appreciate that. Let me get a call from Erica 417. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Um, Al from Springfield, Missouri. I want to piggyback what that last caller was saying about Gandhi. And he, you know, he, the history of Black people in these things has never, never been good at all. Going back to back to Gandhi referred to Black as coffers out in South Africa. And the only Black person that really saw how these people were with these young I men. He kicked them out of them out of Uganda in nineteen seventy one after he was watching some of these um immigrants treat some of these black people and everything else. And so as he moved forward, um what we're seeing, you know, with these so called mono modern um um people, you know, from from China and India right now trying to make inroads back to the Caribbean and everything back to Africa. It's pretty alarming. We hope that some of these Negro um, leaders, you know, will get their heads out of their asses and realize, you know. Well, the problem is they're part of they're, they're part of the problem. They're lockstep with it. There is no helping them yeah. getting their heads on straight. They're just like Sunak and Ramaswamy. They're not, you know, on the opposite side. They are collaborators. Their job is to get us calmed down while they keep turning the heat up and twisting the knife. Your black politicians in America, as the civil rights generation has elected them, the ones that they chose, those are the hand-picked, bald-off, puppeteer Negroes whose job it is to keep the rest of us calm and quiet. Don't you talk about no racism now. You talk about no reparation, you're going to make them folks mad now. Y'all need to call that that down. And we've gone against the rain. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Let me get called America 973. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where you calling from? Hey, what's going on, uh, Jason? This is uh, G calling out of Edison, New Jersey. Uh, I got a question. So how much of this do you think that these outside groups are going to basically use racism as a Trojan force? to domestically undermine the United States. Because, I mean, these people that are speaking are coming from, coming from groups. And they come from the United States that is basically aligning themselves with Russia to basically, uh, you know, to uh, do away with the dollar. 
You all shouldn't be. You all shouldn't be too. Uh, don't don't get snowed under by those things. Okay. Look. Okay. Notice what America ain't saying. Now, if Russia was such a big bad threat right now, and if it was as bad as they claimed it is, do you realize we're still doing trade and every damn thing with them right now? If China was such a damn issue, we would have closed the borders and cut them off. We would have treated them like we did Al Qaeda. If China is really this big, huge national security threat, America shows you how it treats national security threats. So there's no way that these things can be a national security threat because America's not treating it like one. Now, we've seen how they treat threats. Hell, we've seen how they treat threats domestically. Take a look at what they the black people. They haven't done a damn thing. So I want you all to understand that what you're looking at is like the mafia. I've told you this now for over a decade. You got to understand it's like the mafia. Just like in America, white people in America understand that they're not fighting with each other over whether there will be white supremacy. There will be white supremacy. But they're only fighting over is who gets to hold the knife to cut the slices of the white supremacist cake. That's all they're arguing over. Day after day, decade after decade. I covered this in my documentary, Race War. I tried to show you all in real time. This is why it was so important to have a documentary made by us so I could show you from the principles involved. I showed you Richard Spencer and Jared Taylor. Didn't have a lot nice to say about each other. And you would figure, well, hell, they both feel the same way about us. Well, yeah, but that doesn't constitute a conflict between them. The conflict isn't over white supremacy. They both agree on white supremacy. Their conflict is, oh, no, no, no. Jared, you don't have the right idea. I, Richard, have the right idea. Jared's like, no, 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 Richard, you don't have the right idea. I have the right idea. That's the only conflict going on. So when you see BRICS and China and Russia, this isn't a fight over whether or not they're going to have this global system of control. It's over who's going to run it. That's also if they wanted to shut each other down, they'd be treating each other like they do Cuba. They're trying to shut that down. Iraq, they're trying to shut that down. Black folk, they're trying to shut that down. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, they're trying to shut that down. They're not trying to shut none of this down. What they're doing is like the mafia. Every once in a while, somebody gets smacked up. Every once in a while, somebody gets smacked up. Somebody gets shot. Every once in a while, that happens. You watch that happen all the way from the black hand to Lucky Luciano, to Carlo Gambino, to John Gotti, to today. But you've never seen the mafia get together to shut itself down. They're not arguing over whether or not there should be a mafia. They're only arguing over whether or not how best to maintain it. So when you hear these kind of things and you hear about bricks and all they're going to challenge the dollar and whatnot, no, nobody's, nobody's trying to X each other out. It's not what they're doing. What they're doing is jockeying for control, which is what they're supposed to be doing. They're just trying to leverage the best deal they can for themselves. Case in point, you remember, hey, I showed y'all, China and India are a part of BRICS, and yet they got their soldiers, soldiers over there shooting and killing each other on the Himalayan border today, now, right now. Happening right now, not not. Decades ago, they added with each other right now, and yet that is not getting in their way of setting up a global uh, socioeconomic organization. So I just don't want you all to be deceived about what you're seeing. And Jason, you're right. But my next question will be this. If, if, if Black Americans, if we have no means to 
punish and reward, you know what I mean, people that people within our group, how are we gonna how are we gonna basically punish uh people in other groups? Like something that that's doing things untrue, brother. Untrue. First and foremost, being on code. Take a look at the way we've made more progress in the last two, three years than the civil rights generation made in three decades. We made more progress since George Floyd than the civil rights generation made before that. You got folks getting locked up. You got policy on the table. You got reparations being made a mainstream conversation. We didn't wait for somebody to give us permission for that. We didn't wait for the pastor, Pastor Barber, to come give us permission. Davis didn't wait for Roland Martin. All those folks who are working against it, and now they are born again reparationists. So just understand what progress looks like. It is slow, it's glacial, because it should have been started decades ago. We went off on some ill-advised, fantastic voyage into integration. But recognize, brother, we have made a difference. We have made moves. And the biggest thing that's happened is being on code. A national conversation where black people start talking the same way. Or let me put this a different way. I covered this before, but let me give you all a reminder. This part I'm going to tell you is going to be kind of controversial. But when you talk about a society changing, you should recognize something. Do you remember what I told you were the five steps to Nazi Germany? Step number one. They speak in their homes to each other around the dinner table. The folk they know most, family, maybe a friend, but they don't really go much further than that. Next, they speak in the streets. Oh, now you going down to the church. Now you're down at the bingo hall, the barbershop. We ain't talking about pigeon girls on the rope no more. We're talking about something else now. You see it in the You see it? And the people to talk to you, and we've now expanded it beyond the beyond the confines of the home. It's out in the streets now. Next, the media. Now your national communication apparatus. Now you turn on your TV, you turn on your radio. In our case, you turn on the internet and social media, and here you're hearing a fully defined black agenda that doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like integration. You got something that wasn't brought to you by the white politicians. The white politicians did not bring this agenda. We're the ones who brought that for ourselves. So that's dangerous. White society brought us integration and said, well, don't worry, you want to change, here's what it needs to be. We said, yeah, we got our own ideas, and we're not asking you. Well, you need to go to Congress and be the committee. No, we don't. We just need to stand. We need to take the streets, and we take the streets for our agenda, and the, the agenda is not to pass a bill. You go ahead and talk about bills and committees. We take it to the streets tonight. Next thing you know, conversations start changing. You take to the streets. What y'all gonna do? The soldiers be in the streets. What you gonna do, Jason, if you do arrest them or whatever? I'm bailing them straight out. They're gonna be back out by morning. Hell, they'll be out tonight if I can get the bonds and the answer the phone. Next thing you know is 
oh, we can't hold them. Y'all are getting organized. And not to buy a, a pair of damn shoes, either. So you're seeing that the national conversation has changed. Barack Obama is a cancer and a pariah. He can't get nothing done. They had to go ahead and retire him. Him and Michelle Obama are sitting up here trying to milk their Netflix and Spotify deals. They can't make no money on the streets. They have no black support anymore except the geriatric crowd. But 20 years later, they ain't got no support. They recognize this is a death blow. So I want you to understand, it seems minor. I know that. But you got to understand that the precursor of all action is thought and speech. And if I can get you to think about something different than you've been thinking about, and if I can get you to talk about something different than you've been talking about on a regular basis, then I damn sure know you're going to start doing things differently. You have no choice. What you think becomes your habits, what becomes your habits becomes your life. Leave Jason Black. Jason might be lying. Jason might be exaggerating. Jason might be uh, trying to blow it up bigger than it really is. Don't believe Jason Black that the situation has changed. Ask Mr. Ramaswamy, who's decided that the only thing he can do with his fortune that he's made is run for president against black people. And he's not even Caucasian. Don't believe Jason Black. Believe Mr. Ramaswamy. He said it. He's going to Jordan Peterson. He's on Meet the Press. Don't believe me. Believe him. He has no reason to lie and say that we're making the progress we are. He's the one saying he's scared to speak crazy about us. He's the one saying he's scared to go against our agenda. He's the one saying that he's scared to say he's not in support of reparations. He's the one saying that. Don't believe me. Jason could be lying to you. Okay, Jason may be lying. Then what's this guy doing saying the exact same thing I've been telling you? If we're not making any progress, why is he saying all hell's breaking loose? Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Brothers and sisters, don't believe me. Look at him. Did I set him up to this? Did I put him up to this? Did I pressure him into this? Did I make him do this? Is he an employee of mine? And yet he's claimed, he's coming back to black folk and talking about this woke thing. What is the woke thing? Anti-white supremacy. Next thing you know, he's like, this will change everything. you damn right. Don't believe me. Believe our enemies. If everything was fine, this man would be sitting on a beach somewhere, kicking it with a couple of CEOs and corporations to go pull off another pharmaceutical scam. He's like, man, we stopping the car right here to deal with these Negroes. Call from Erico 260. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where you calling from? Hey, it's Jordan from Indiana. Okay, Jordan from where at in Indiana? Okay, what's on your mind? Um, well, I'm the. You told me to call back in seven weeks when my school finished for the semester. Um, so here's me calling back. That's point one. Point two is I thought it was interesting that um, I guess reading the headline. Okay, Jordan, slow down. Slow down for a moment. Now I told you to call back in seven weeks. That's what you said. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, where were you in school at? Uh, I'm the, the the nerdy kid you yeah on there. Well, I'm very I'm very glad you found my okay. other I'm very glad you found my other YouTube channel. But this is the uh, wrong program mm-hmm. here. We'll be on tomorrow night, so definitely give me a call back tomorrow night. I'd like to get an update on that. Thank you very much for giving us a call. Jason been putting in a lot of work out there. I've been putting in a lot of work, so give us a call back here tomorrow, Jordan. We'll, we'll take care of that. We're doing something a little bit different here tonight. Let me get call from air code 912. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Black Alpha Network. I'm calling in from Savannah, Georgia. Okay, what's on your mind? All right, first, brother, I want to thank you for this episode and previous episodes for forecasting this 500-year plan and strategizing around it. But too many brothers and sisters forget that mascots, they still work for the team. And that team is global white supremacy. So I appreciate you for strategizing around that, that brother and sisters. So one thing I want to make, and this is a point to your point, and I'm glad you highlighted it. Too many people focus in on the hotbeds like the Texas and the California. Right here in Savannah, Georgia, there's places inside the town that look like El Paso, Texas. Straight like El Paso, Texas. It looks like anywhere on the border where they're bringing people in time after time again. And basically elevating these upper class and these biggest brothers. The question I want to ask you, know, I want to this to you, brother, is when you start talking about the 500-year plan, which we're aware of, I don't know how anybody that's listened to you and not, you know, understood what's going on. The question I want to ask you, when it comes to these different buffer classes and everybody that's coming in to elevate us, well, I guess I kind of really agree with what you're going to probably say, but Republicans and Democrats, can you tell people how they work on the same side as well as you know, these different countries, they're not going to fight each other. India, America, China, they're not going to fight each other on behalf of black people. Because I try to break that down to brothers and sisters, and they tend to think that somehow America's going to fall and everybody's going to say, well, we're even for black folks, and that's not really the case. And that's what I wanted to ask you. If you believe that anybody is in favor of black people, either inside America's government or outside or overseas and foreign governments, ask yourself one question. Where's the money? Show us where your money is. Thank you very much for giving us a call. He's uh, gotten into a wrestling match with his phone. But uh, show us where the money is. Tell us where the money is. Tell us where you're investing. Show us what you're spending. Because you see, when China wants to set up a silk road, they buy bridges, dams, and construction projects in Africa. They don't give lip service. They start cutting checks. When America wants to set up shop in the Middle East, they don't bring integration and lip service. They start cutting checks. When somebody is trying to promote you, they start cutting checks. They start giving room and board. They get the money moving. So the bottom line is, you don't, don't let anybody fool you with any of these symbolic gestures. What they offer black people, both in America and China and Russia, whenever they want to bring up racism in America and then don't want to bring up racism where they are, it's not like they're on team black. It's not like that's what's going on. I'm watching it. It's not like that's what's going on. And they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. That's all you got to ask yourself is very simple. You want to cut through all the clutter and all the confusion, tell them, where's the investment? Who's cutting the check? And 
Then all you're going to hear is symbolism. Where they live and you don't want to play, daddy. Call Mary, call 929. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where you call from? Jason, this is Daryl from Chicago. All right, Daryl from Chicago, what's on your mind? Jason, that's some broadcasting tonight. And I just want to reiterate to all people that are listening. This should not be worried about this because you've been sharing information with us and giving us everything that we need to know. And of course, I was doing our own research as well. But I appreciate you. Thank you for that. That's the first thing. Second thing, you have to know and head over here in Chicago. You know, I'm, I live on the south side of Chicago. And um, God comes over here, we ain't They've been trying to do everything they can. It's a nice area over here, and they, they want that area. They can't get it because we best in it, and we're not moving at all. And we're taking it like it is. We stay on cold. Everybody's working together, and they see that they ain't playing, they ain't playing with them. So we got to stay on cold, and we ain't playing with nobody. And that's why we got to be just coming on. We can change the narrative for all of these things, just like you said, but we got to stay on cold with everything. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Please do give us a call again. Let me get a caller from area code 501. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Big Bird. I'm calling from Little Rock, by way of Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, to contextualize my question, because uh, you're giving us uh, their, their plan. Well, I want to state my plan and see what you think of it, because I respect your opinion. Uh, my plan is to gain money off of what they're doing to us. Like, I'm a notary public, and I'm also about to get my uh, insurance license, and I will end up, my area in Little Rock has uh, a fast-growing Latino population. I, I want to see what you think about me using my entrepreneurial um, ambitions to capitalize on uh, that the Latino community that's growing in my area. Sure, if you can. There's no reason you shouldn't. That's it. Thank you. All right, thank you for giving us a call tonight. It's that simple, y'all. Dollars, universal language. Do business with everybody. They, everybody does business with us. You can walk into any Mexican restaurant you want to. You can walk into any Chinese restaurant you want to. Hell, they send them up in black neighborhoods. Do business with everybody. Just don't get confused. Call from Aaron Code 415. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's April. I'm calling from San Francisco. How you doing? Jason? All right, April from San Francisco. What's on your mind? Um, so, yeah, another great program tonight. Um, kind of piggybacking off of your previous one about Doctrine of Discovery. From that to 9-11 to COVID to or season whatever, um, to what, what you're talking about tonight, it's, it's a straight line continuum for white supremacy. And when you mentioned the, the whole thing with, um, you know, uh, black wealth is going to fall to zero by 2050-something, 2080-something, um, that's, that's a, a plan in action of returning us to slavery. That's a plan in action of eliminating us through the factual genocide. That's a plan of action that has been ongoing all this time. And, you know, it, it's just amazing that people are not seeing that. Like, the, the whole 
the whole idea that they have is to take a look at Libya, what they did with Libya. Um, the Benghazi rebels were like the KKK, and they went after black people, black Libyans, and called them uh, rap rapists and mercenaries that were not from Libya. Um, they returned, those people were free under Gaddafi, and they, you know, they had, they had, uh, you know, the highest wealth rate, you know, out in the entire continent of Africa. Well, that's because so, these things you know, are global. They they, they, that's how America set What's up that? its beachheads in other places. America's been doing it for decades and decades. In reality, China is just catching up to where America already was decades ago. America and Britain did their exactly. empire building. The rest of these folk are really just trying to catch up now. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. I'm only going to take a few more phone calls here, folks. So everybody here, I'm going to try to get you in, but uh, keep your comments brief. Uh, get in, get in, get out. Or uh, I'll help you keep it brief for you, whichever you prefer. Let me get caller from area code 937. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, yeah, my name's Calvin. Uh, I'm a Black Channel Okay, Calvin from Jacksonville, what's on your mind? Um, yeah, uh, this is a great uh, broadcast. Um, I was just uh, wondering, because, you know, they got a lot of hurricanes here in Florida. Uh, do you think that would be a problem? For what? It hasn't, been a problem so, it hasn't been a problem so far, sir. It hasn't prevented anyone from wanting to build there. New York has snowstorms and floods, not stopping anybody from building there. So, no. No. Call Miracle 718, you're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? My name is Mr. Blue from New York City, the Bronx. All right, Mr. Blue, what's your mind? Yes, I just want to say, uh, first of all, thank you, Jason, for the broadcast. Um, what we're seeing here in New York City is there are organizations and brothers and sisters that are organizing, talking about reparations, talking about critical thinking in the schools, educating our children to um, to be codified and think on code and to speak about racism, white supremacy as it exists, what it is and how it works. And some of the problems that still exist is that brothers and sisters, we have noticed, um, one, haven't read nearly fully book, which is not a requirement, but you should understand um, what codification does mean. And also, um, when it comes to schooling and education, I'm a teacher, and um, we have noticed that in the New York City public school system, there is an inadequate attention towards uh, underrepresented communities, uh, children of color, not black, and, just not black and brown, but specifically black children, um, foundational black American children, and their critical thinking skills. And we're always trying to work towards making things better for them and having them truly understand what's going on and how to be codified in their language, their thoughts, speech, and action. And I just want to thank you for the broadcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for giving us a call. Let me get caller from area code 337. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? My name is Ren. I'm calling from Lafayette, Louisiana. All right, Ren from Lafayette. What's on your mind? Well, Big Brother Jason, you preach week after week, week after week. And we still don't get it. I'm in education as well as the previous caller here in uh, Louisiana, higher education. And Louisiana is giving out free English classes to all the teachers. Okay? They've been doing this for years. So all this has been programmed years in advance to set 
set everybody up to surpass and supplant us. And we don't believe it. We don't get it. Okay. At one point in time, I had 70 to 80% of all Mexicans in my class. Right now, it's about 40 or 50. And numbers dropping. Why? Because they're bringing in Guatemala, Honduran, and everyone else. Because they know that the Mexican population is getting too high on the hall. Plus, because of what point number two, my last point, President Obrador tipped his hand two weeks ago and let everybody know he wanted to go and join BRICS. Well, if Mexico joins BRICS, all the Mexicans are coming back to Mexico because China's going to flood the entire market down there with construction and many other types of jobs. And the government knows that. We don't get it. We don't get it, Jason. And I thank you so much for doing what you do each and every week. God bless. Thank you very much for giving us a call here tonight. I mean, part of the issue hasn't been that we necessarily don't get it. As black people, we've been on the outside looking in. They've had us so wrapped up just fighting for survival. They had the civil rights generation cooning the hell out, chasing religion, chasing interracial sexual access, chasing drugs, chasing bastard babyism and, inter- and um, illegitimate babyism, chasing indulgence and consumerism. So. You, you had us, for the most part, being sidelined. It's not like we've been power brokers about anything. We've been watching on the sidelines what's been going on. We're really the first generation that's really starting to get its heads on straight to say, hey, we need to grapple with what the issue actually is. But the civil rights generation, the baby boomers, World War II, they could have had this conversation decades ago. They were trying to figure out how to go along to get along. Maybe we can pacify these white supremacists. And instead, it should have been sticking on to the game plan. Call from Erico 347. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Okay. Call from Erico 347 has been abducted. Caller from Erico 708. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? It's Sean from Chicago. Right, Sean from Chicago. What's on your mind? So I appreciate how. You highlight um, white supremacy in the next 500 years. Black people like me is mentally enslaved by, like, um, let's say cigarettes, stuff like that, right? If you go into Canada, the state of Canada is like have low um, violence rates. You go in Canada, they got cigarettes, but they cover them up by curtains. Or like if you go to Minnesota, they shut down a liquor store like at 12 o'clock. Okay, like what, is, well, Sean, what is your point, ma'am? I, I don't get it, ma'am. What, what are we talking about? The point is, you highlighted one time when you were talking on your broadcast, how many people smoking, right? And then all of the cigarettes lit up, right? So you talked about, too, how we all use crunches. You know, how we all have a crunch to something. And it's, the crunch is these nicotine products, um, alcohol, stuff like that. Somebody previously said something about critical thinking. We lack in critical thinking because we keep using these crunches. So I appreciate definitely, that. Highlight. Uh, definitely, I see how that could be an issue. However, I don't think we nearly have the cigarette use that we used to have even now. Right now, I'm more worried about the cell phones than I am about cigarettes, to be totally honest with you. I'm more concerned about people being wrapped up in their cell phones and treating social media as if that's a real place and uh, engaging in stupidity like feminism and gender warring because they see themselves as honorary white people. So they're diminishing the really big issues and blowing up 
you know, oh, can I be LGBT until I ask if it's a major issue? So I hear what you're saying, but in reality, I actually consider these other things to be a more pressing issue, to be totally honest. Thank you very much for giving us a call here tonight. Well, folks, like I say, it's been an involved program here because I want to go into the deep details of it. That's why you have us here as your new black media, because we can take deal with this long form. I wanted to lay out the case comprehensively here tonight. I know it's been a lot to absorb, but I think it's well worth it. And um, I hope you get a lot out of it here. If you want, from going forward, don't ask me what the game plan is. What I'll be doing is I'll be referencing this program to you. I'll be referencing this program, white supremacy, the next 500 years. Next time you ask me what it is, you want all the facts and figures, you want the proof, you want the empirical data, you want the proof of how they move and where they're moving, this program tonight has been it. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. If you are new here to the Black Channel, welcome to the Haven of Intelligent Black Thought. You just saw an example tonight of what we do. Click that red subscribe button. Click that yellow notification bell. Join us every time that you're here. If you haven't been to our website, blackchannelfilms.com, you want to go there and check out our groundbreaking, best-selling documentary work, 7 a.m., Gentrified, Race War, all available on DVD and streaming. Go to blackchannelfilms.com. That is blackchannelfilms.com. I want to thank everyone of you for tuning in tonight's program, live or recorded. Thank you to everyone who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, Super Chat, Venmo. Thank all of you for liking and subscribing. And this concludes tonight's broadcast of The Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, The Black Authority. And until next time, my brothers and my sisters from around the world, remember, Black is the future, and the future is the future.